good to see Shad and Amber here this morning. Welcome. It's good to see Noah and Martha back. It's good to be together. Well, what letter are we at as far as the attributes of God? I think this one we should be able to get more from than we did with the one last time. Last time it was which one? It was Q. So now we're at R. What's an attribute of God that comes to your mind? Starts with the letter R. Righteous. Redeemer. Reliable. Restoration. Restoration. Restorer. Rescuer. Rescuer. Relevant. Relevant. Rock. Rest. Refuge? Yes, a lot more that we could uh, probably come up with. Turning your Bibles to John chapter 12. I wasn't aware of some things that I'm going to present to you this morning. Wasn't aware of some of these things before. So um, we're never too old to learn, right? What I didn't know is on the Jewish calendar today, it says Lamb Selection Day. So for us, it's Palm Sunday. For the Jewish people, it's Lamb Selection Day, and I don't know what a Muslim calendar would say. But it took me back to the feasts that the Jewish people observed and had me doing some study, had me doing some evaluating again of what Jesus' life said and was prefigured in the feasts. I've entitled the message, The Significance of Jesus' Triumphal Entry. I thought about having a children's meeting this morning, but I wasn't sure whether the children had learned about the triumphal entry in their Sunday school lesson or not. How many of you learned about it in your Sunday school lesson this morning? Is that what your lesson was about the palm branches and the No, then it would have been okay to have a children's meeting, I guess, to talk about that, about Jesus going into Jerusalem on a donkey, and people laid down their garments and laid down the palm branches, and he was able to receive praises and hosannas as he went into that city for the Passover. So today is marked as... Palm Sunday, and it's recorded in all four of the Gospels as Jesus' triumphal entry. Why did Jesus allow it to be done? Goes back to what I saw on the Jewish calendar, Lamb Selection Day. What significance did it have for the week's events? Jesus had been to Passover at least three times before in his ministry. We have him recorded in John. 
that he had at least three before this that he would have been in attendance of. And certainly we know that his family went to the Passover when he was 12. All males were required to go to three feasts, if at all possible, three feasts throughout the year. And the most important was the Passover feast, which we know is celebration of when the children of Israel came out of Egypt. So here we are at this time of the year, and Jesus chooses to allow this kind of adoration of himself. John chapter 12, starting at verse 12. On the next day, much people that were come to the feast, when they heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem, took branches of palm trees and went forth to meet him and cried, Hosanna, blessed is the king of Israel that cometh in the name of the Lord. And Jesus, when he had found a young ass, sat thereon, as it is written, Fear not, daughter of Zion, behold, thy king cometh, sitting on an ass's colt. These things understood not his disciples at the first, but when Jesus was glorified, then remembered they that these things were written of him, and that they had done these things unto him. The people, therefore, that was with him, when he called Lazarus out of the grave and raised him from the dead, bear record. For this cause the people also met him, for that they heard that he had done this miracle. The Pharisees therefore said among themselves, Perceive ye how ye prevail nothing? Behold, the world is gone after him. Think back at the times when Jesus did miracles in his earthly ministry, and he said, Shh, don't tell anybody. Why? Because my hour is not yet come. Shh. Don't tell anybody. But now he says his hour is come to be glorified, to be made known, to it clearly be revealed that he is the Lamb of God. Remember when Jesus was presented by John the Baptist back in John 1, he said, Behold the Lamb of God. It taketh away the sin of the world. There's other descriptions that were fulfilled through this week, but that's one significant description. Behold the Lamb of God. As the people were going to the Passover, they were traveling up and singing psalms. The Bible says that they had certain psalms of ascent Psalm 120 to Psalm 134 are psalms of ascent. As they went up to Jerusalem, they were singing these psalms of praise and of worship, of looking forward to going to celebrate deliverance, to be reminded again as they took their lamb or their goat, to be reminded again that they could be forgiven of their sin. It was a festive time. It was a time of going as a family and going with neighbors and friends and coming up to, to Jerusalem. With some of the other accounts, we see that Jesus' crowd around him started to gather down in Jericho already. And Jericho, and they're ascending up some 3,000 feet from Jericho up to Jerusalem. And as they're singing these psalms of ascent, they're singing about worship. They're singing about forgiveness they're looking forward to the Messiah. And as they come into Jerusalem on this Palm Sunday, they are 
saying, Hosanna to Jesus, which means save us now. They somehow recognized through what the resurrection of Lazarus, which is just prior to this that we read, that this here was something unusual, that this man was someone unusual. And their eyes were being opened and they were understanding that as they came up to the Passover, they were coming up again to celebrate deliverance and they're looking forward to the great deliverance of the Messiah. And note the words that they're saying here, blessed is the king of Israel. Now we have back with the wise men already that the wise men were looking for the king of the Jews. We have the Roman government had taken over Israel, allowing freedom of worship for the Jewish people, but had taken over, I'm not sure the year, but it's somewhere before, you know, 40 to 60 years, I'm guessing, before Jesus' existence. At least when there was Herod's appointed, and we know Herod the Great was in that time frame, I believe 40 B.C., somewhere in there, up to the time 4 B.C. And then the Herods that succeeded at the time of Jesus. But here we have that the Roman government was suppressing, taxing hard on the Jewish people, and they wanted to again be free like they had been with King David, like they had been with Solomon, like they had been with other kings. But because of their sin, they knew this is where they were at. And if you talk to a Jew today, he would say, we are at where we are today because of our sin. The Messiah has not come yet today because of our sin. If you talk to a Jew today, he will tell you the Messiah was supposed to come 2,000 years ago, but he didn't come because of our sin. They looked for him 2,000 years ago. The rabbinical writings are clear that they were looking for the Messiah, expecting him in their chronology that they were looking at, that he was to come 2,000 years ago. But because of their sin, because they were in captivity, because they were under the Roman rule, they were feeling that this Messiah could not come because they weren't prepared to receive the Messiah. So they're looking for Jesus to be the Messiah at this account but the people today are looking for a Messiah that's going to come to bring peace so that Israel will never be at war again. Well, we know that's going to happen. We know there's going to be peace again. We know that Jesus is going to come and land on this, this planet again, and he is going to reign supreme. But that time, he's going to be coming on a horse. A warrior comes on a horse. He doesn't come on a donkey. And so he's coming to the earth to, again, set things right. And that is in the prophecy. But the Jewish people are blind to that. Many Jewish people can't see how that Jesus filled the prophecy. But if we go back to the feasts, we have the Passover being the main one. The main one that they were to come to Jerusalem for, and they were to then have a lamb that was prepared. So that lamb selection day was the 10th day of Nisan. Let's go back to Exodus chapter 12. Exodus chapter 12 says how they're to do this. And a Jewish boy told me this week in my conversation with him that he said, oh yeah, I know it's lamb selection day coming up. He says, uh, 
I said, well, how did they do it? He said, well, the, the rabbi said that they used to take the lamb and they used to tie it to a bed. He said, really, tie it to a bed? Now, he's not talking about what they're doing now because now they don't offer the sacrifices. But he said they tied it to the bed, and as Exodus says, it had to be there for four days so that they could see whether this lamb would, would get sick or not, whether it was sickly, whether it had any blemishes or not. They'd check it over and check it over and check it over and check it over. Exodus chapter 12. And the Lord spake unto Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, saying, This month shall be unto you the beginning of months, shall be the first month of the year to you. Speak ye unto all the congregation of Israel, saying, In the tenth day of this month they shall take to them every man a lamb, according to the house of their fathers, a lamb for a house. And if the household be too little for the lamb, let him to his neighbor next unto his house take it according to the number of the souls. Every man according to his eating shall make your roast Excuse me, so make your count for the lamb. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male of the first year. You shall take it out from sheep or from the goats. And you shall keep it up until the 14th day of the same month, and the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it in the evening. Did we hear about this recently? Yeah, Sylvan said about it. Sylvan had it in devotions for revival meetings. Okay, notice the 10th day was the day... Now, the first month, 10th day of the first month was to be the day to take the lamb. And notice in verse 6, it says the 14th day of the same month was when they were to crucify the lamb or to kill, to slaughter the lamb. You should keep it till the 14th day, and then that is to be killed because you've checked it out. It's without blemish. It is a perfect lamb. Think with me the events of this coming week. Picture Jesus fulfilling being the Lamb of God. Coming into Jerusalem. Lamb Selection Day. He being honored as one worthy to be honored as king. They weren't recognizing him as the Lamb, necessarily, no. But looking to him as being king. To bring Political peace. But he was bringing inner peace. He came to bring salvation. And note the week that we're about to enter. We call it Passion Week. Think about the events that took place. How that Jesus went into the temple and he cleansed the temple. Think about the fury of the religious leaders. And they're taking him before the Sanhedrin. For a trial. Him being sent to Pilate to be tried. Him being sent to Herod to be tried. Him being sent back to Pilate to be tried. Did they find any blemish within him? Did they find any reason except that the, the world had fallen after him? No. He was innocent. They couldn't find a charge, but they still cried at the end of the week, crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. The significance of the day is that Jesus was the select lamb. And throughout the week as he was examined at the trial after trial after trial, he was proven to be faultless, a perfect lamb for the sins of humanity.
Does that do anything for you this morning to think about God prefiguring way back there? The first day or the first month, the 10th day was to be the lamb select day. The 14th day was to be the day that there was the death of that Passover lamb. And then as we come to the hour of darkness on Good Friday, we recognize that the Paschal lambs were being slain and needed to be slain by 3 o'clock in the afternoon, the time that Jesus' death was on the cross. And he said, it is finished. And the veil of the temple was rent, meaning there was a new day, a new day dawning. And then as we move on through the rest of the week and we see him put in the grave and we see resurrection morning and we see other feasts that became significant, that were significant. There were seven feasts, if you go back to Leviticus 23, there were seven feasts that were significant in the life of the Jewish people. The second one being that of unleavened bread. And that took place right after the Passover. So the lamb had to be killed. And then they celebrated with the unleavened bread, symbolizing that sin was dealt with. They took their houses and they swept it clean of leaven so that sin, the symbolism, leaven being the symbolism of sin, so that, that could be taken care of. And now they had seven days of worship, of praise, of thanksgiving for that cleansing that was taken. Oh, what a wonderful picture. Jesus came to the end of this week. He rose from the dead. And the Bible says the next feast that they observed was right there, and that was the first fruits. And 1 Corinthians 15 says that Jesus was raised from the dead as the first fruit of those who would be resurrected. And you and I are going to be resurrected because of Jesus' resurrection. That's a promise. That's security for us. And then we know that 50 days Later, after Jesus' resurrection, was Pentecost, which was another feast. And that feast was dealing with the uh, end of the harvest. The reality for us, the day of Pentecost is 50 days after Jesus' resurrection, symbolizing when the Holy Spirit comes, the power to live with inside of us. The Passover, the unleavened bread, the first fruits and the Pentecost feasts were all right there, right there together in a lump sum at the beginning of the Jewish year, all symbolizing, symbolizing the first coming of Christ, all having significance with the first coming of Christ. But then five months later, they had three more feasts that were of key importance. The Feast of Trumpets, the Day of Atonement, and the Feast of Tabernacles. The trumpets, again, symbolizes Christ coming the second time with that blast of the trumpet, as 1 Thessalonians says, where he's going to come and the dead in Christ are going to rise. Messiah is going to return for his own. 
the Day of Atonement, where they took that, that lamb or that goat, and they laid the sins upon the goat and sent it into the wilderness and sent it out there to symbolize sins taken into the wilderness, completely gone and forgotten. For the future symbolizing the atonement coming to the Jewish people, to all people, the Messiah is coming again. Romans 11 talks about that. And then the Feast of Tabernacles, where it speaks of all people coming to Jerusalem to worship the Lord. Well, then would have been the time when they would have gathered sticks and they would have gathered the palm branches. Never before had there been palm branches gathered at the Feast of Passover. That was for the Feast of, of uh, Tabernacles. That was to be the seventh month. This event was strange, truly strange. But Jesus allowed it to happen because he knew the symbolism. He knew the people needed to see who he was. His hour had come. He was ready to be revealed. Jewish leaders had tried to kill him before. They never succeeded. I think I counted six or eight different places in John where it says they tried to kill him. But it wasn't until after this chapter we're reading in John 12. It's only after this that they actually say, we got to do something. The world is going after him. We have to do something. And they did bring him to trial and they did bring him to the cross. Jesus, the king of Israel, was recognized by some. Pilate knew there was to be a king of Israel, and so he put over the cross, as was said in our Sunday school lesson today, this is Jesus, the king of the Jews. This Jesus of Nazareth, the king of the Jews. The children of Israel were looking forward to the time when they would have their own king, and that there would be peace again within their nation. See, the Davidic covenant said that there's going to be a king forever. David lost his kingship to Absalom, his son. Do you remember that account? Where Absalom got the people to go after him instead of David. And David actually left Jerusalem because his life was in danger. He went up the Mount of Olives, it says. He went down the other side, and it says he crossed Jordan and went beyond Jordan because he was fearful for his life. He had men with him. And it wasn't until Absalom was slain that he was brought back. And David wept about that. But David's kingdom did not, did not last as a physical kingship, but the promise was there would be a king that would come back and to reinstate the kingship of the Jewish people. Jesus was that king. Fulfillment was made of that promise and of that prophecy. Pilate asked him, are you the king of the Jews? He said, yes. But he wasn't about telling that before this time. But at this time, because his hour was come, because he was ready to be glorified, ready to be made known, 
he acknowledged, I am the king of the Jews. I mentioned already the significance of the donkey versus the horse. Jesus probably had walked from Galilee to Jerusalem, or to Jericho anyway, or wherever he got the donkey. The point was he didn't need the donkey to make it the rest of the way. But Zechariah 9.9 says there's going to be a king coming on a donkey. The prophecy was there that this is going to take place and he's going to ride in on the colt of an ass. One of the accounts says there was one. The other says there, was, there were two and he was riding on the younger, the one that none had ridden on before. Coming in not as a warrior to conquer Rome, but to deal with man's sin nature and to conquer Satan once and for all at the cross. Jesus came as a lowly servant. He didn't come as someone that was trying to usurp authority over Rome. In fact, in one of the accounts, there's a parable that he states and he says about the noblemen and about people didn't receive the uh, nobleman's son and and how that there's a prolong here until the real king comes. He gives that right before he gives the triumphal entry in one of the other accounts. The point is, he's saying that, yes, there's coming a time when there's going to be an earthly king. But for now, I'm coming in peace. I'm coming to conquer hearts and minds of people today and not to conquer nations. I'm going to reign in peace and love. I wasn't supposed to preach this morning, but I got kind of excited about some of this stuff because I never really thought about it before that it was Lamb Selection Day. I should have known that. And that four days later, Jesus was crucified and that he was fulfilling the pictures of the feasts. I knew he was the perfect Lamb of God. I knew he was slain. I just... It just was a refreshment to me and, and inspiration and, and newness to me in putting some of that together with all the different feasts. Again, the Passover, the seven days of unleavened bread, the first fruits, and the Pentecost, all was dealing with his first coming. And the trumpets and day of atonement and tabernacles is looking ahead to his second coming, which we look forward to with anticipation. Revelation 7 says, After this I beheld, and lo, a great multitude which no man could number, of all nations and kindreds and people and tongues, and before the Lamb, clothed with white robes and palms in their hands, cried with a loud voice, saying, Salvation to our God, which sitteth upon the throne, and unto the Lamb. It sounds like someday we're going to have palms in our hands. Sounds like someday we're going to have white robes crying out, saying, Salvation to our God, which sitteth upon the throne and unto the Lamb. Jesus chose the day. Jesus chose how this was all going to be. He was fulfilling prophecy. And until that final day, he will continue to fulfill prophecy. 
Jesus coming as a humble servant on a donkey, coming into Jerusalem and inviting people to receive him as the Messiah must have brought a lot of questions and a lot of comfort to some, but a lot of anger to others, just as today, the fact that we believe there is a God and that we believe there is a Jesus and we believe there's salvation brings a lot of anger to some people today. But may we remember the promises of God have stood firm. He has fulfilled prophecy after prophecy and he's about to continue until the end, until the all are fulfilled in beautiful, beautiful ordered synchronization. To him be the glory, the honor for all of that. I look forward to communion service next Sunday. I trust you do as well. As you go through the week, think about the things that took place this week. Think about the torment Jesus went through, the torture and all of that, the examination, as I'm calling it this morning, the examination of who he was. People could not find fault with him, just like their lamb was not to have a blemish. And then he was crucified on Good Friday. And the reality that the world recognized this was truly the Son of God. Let's kneel together for prayer. Father, we thank you for the day that we are remembering and the perfect picture, the Lamb that is chosen before the foundation of the world is Jesus. We accept him. We accept him as the only hope to deal with our sin. Bless us as we think about this week's events and as we prepare our hearts for the communion service next Sunday. In Jesus' name.